Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Carla Hodge. She's the director of GRC. Carla, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, great to have you. So, Carla, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, I've been in... um, I guess a compliance related roles for many years. Um, The last 10 years or so, I've been working in technology, doing compliance roles, helping with digital transformations at startup companies, um, automating different processes, that sort of thing. And the last couple of years, it seems like I've been just thrown into um, the tech side, more the tech side as opposed to the compliance side, helping companies transform, um, automating, helping automated processes, and helping automate controls so that we can focus our time on, on other efforts. Yeah. When did you first become interested in kind of in the in the digital transformation space? Um, I would say probably maybe 20, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working for HP and they had a lot of great technologies um, that they were doing. But I remember the first one that I, like when I, when I think back, one of the first thing, things that I remember thinking about and understanding is the cloud. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in a big conference room with like thousands of, eight, of, of other HP uh, employees and they were introducing to us the cloud. And we were all like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like we, we are using servers, like we have a server room and we're doing this and we we're like, what are you talking, talking about? And now um, most of the companies that I've worked for, everything's in the cloud. So from mm-hmm. 2008 timeframe to now, um, when we were all looking dumbfounded and they were like, everybody was happy about this cloud they were talking about. <laughs> now everything's, everything's cloud. Everything's yeah. sad. So um, that's something that I think I think about all the time. Like we, we thought they, they were crazy and <laughs> it's, it's something that's amazing. That's fantastic. So talk to me a little bit more about your expertise in kind of just digital transformation and transformation in general. I would say my expertise is more on the change management side, okay. the, the understanding what's the right fit, working with people to, um, to actually go through the change, helping with scoping, um, helping select the right tools, doing that level, doing research for them, and kind of just hand-holding hand um, leaders through the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Um, it's tough sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. The co- companies may know that they need to transform to be able to compete, but you don't always necessarily get the group of people who have to make decisions. They don't necessarily understand. And there's a level of fear to that, just, you know, going from being able to have, be hands-on to now things are happening for you mm-hmm. um, because of you. But I, I don't think the because of you side is, is completely understood. And do you think a lot of that pushback is kind of anxiety that – this is going to take people's jobs away? Um, I do. And it's funny because I never thought about it that way. Even when I was learning it, I don't know why I never thought about it that way, but I, I think the pushback is um, multiple aspects. I think it's people losing their job. People are scared because they think they're going to lose their job. Mm-hmm. But in most cases, the transformation takes away um, the time that we spend on those administrative mundane tasks. Like mm-hmm. most of my day, um, if I'm not in a working for a company that has already transformed or in that process, it's administrative tasks. 
you know, and a lot of that can be done with, um, with different solutions. Like I had a boss many years ago who said she, she's now, um, she's not actually a CFO, but at the time she was a VP and she was like, I spent most of my day checking emails, putting it in different folders, doing these kind of things. Well, yes, we can set up rules to do that, but those rules don't necessarily point out when things are important. So she several, I want to say about five years ago was an early adopter of RPA and she set up RPA to really help with, with her emails to clean up her emails. So instead of spending time um, working on answering emails, she spent time sitting with her team, understanding, finding solutions, understanding the strategy. So her job wasn't eliminated. It was that, that extra time that you spend in the mornings or in the evenings. And if it's for me, mm -hmm. it's in bed at night and going through my hundreds of emails, trying to respond and see if there's something I need to do and solution the emails. So it's not necessarily losing um, a job. It's sometimes retraining people to do other things. It's people having opportunity to be able to learn new things. And it's giving people free time to be able to work on their actual job. And today people think that when they're working on those administrative tasks, that they're getting a lot of stuff done, but I don't think they were hired to, to be, to do that. They were hired to do a different job, but they're spending a lot of time with those administrative tasks. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part is people don't want to lose positions that they have in their mind. So I think one is that people, decision makers don't want to lose their own jobs, but I think also decision makers, don't want to lose positions and i was thinking about it from this aspect actually this morning i remember having a position open for a manager of governance and i took a long time to hire and one of the reasons why was because i was working with a company in india called tcs they are early adopters of rpa and ai and we were spending so much time working on that getting it in the company solutioning it that uh, i did interview for the position that I had open. Like I was getting candidates, but I didn't have any time to interview. So after about six months, I looked and that position was canceled. So I asked my boss, hey, why is this position canceled? And she said, because you didn't do anything with it. And I thought about like how angry I was to lose that role. And I think people feel like I'm gonna lose, like right now I have 10 positions. If I transform, I'm gonna only have eight. And I, I can't afford to only have eight because those 10 roles need to be filled, that people need to be doing that work. But I don't think it. I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's um, if you transform, you still have those ten positions. You can make an argument for that for those ten positions. There's multiple things you can do if you don't need those ten positions, like letting it happen through natural attrition, mm -hmm. um, which is what happened with me. My the person that worked for me, he ended up getting promoted, and so natural attrition was kind of forced because I didn't ever hire anybody for that role. Um, and it, I think after I got over my anger, I figured out that I didn't need the role actually. But I think that's the other thing is like in your mindset saying, okay, I have 10 positions. I lost two people because they were promoted. They found better jobs. They found other opportunities. And maybe I don't need 10 positions now that we have transformed. And maybe instead of retooling people and um, moving them to other positions, I keep who I have and then transform with those other two positions because you also have to find sometimes ways to reduce costs. And that's another way as well. As well. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, are there certain almost like tells that you have noticed in, in your experience that are uh, kind of indicators that a change is needed in, within the transformation? I think, yeah, I think uh, a couple of things. I think 
if your people are spending time, a lot of time doing tasks within the company and you don't like your strategy is stale or it's hard for you to compete. I think those are kind of things that you see. Um, if, if you see, if you're losing talent, um, that's another thing that you see. You're losing talent. You're wondering where they're going. When I left a company that I was working for to go work for an RPA company, I remember people were saying, what is that? And, and then I remember somebody coming to me and said, hey, I looked at your company's financials and I don't know where they're putting RPA because would not be like a robot. <clears throat> and wouldn't you see that somewhere in a line item on your financials? I'm like, no, RPA is not, a, it's not an actual robot. It's like in the system. So I think you'll see that where people are, are learning and asking questions, but you don't have those solutions within your company. Mm -hmm. um, you can't compete with a company that's already transformed because mm -hmm. you're doing things manually because you, uh, people are so focused on their manual jobs. So I think you'll see it from that perspective. I think, I think moreover, what it is is being able to be competitive in a landscape that's changing very quickly. Hmm. So what is one of the first steps to kind of you, you acknowledge there's a problem. What's the next step from there? I think the next step is to document the problem, document what you think, like brainstorm what you think a good solution would be. Hmm. Go out and find multiple solutions and spend a good amount of time scoping. If you don't scope the correct solution, you'll find yourself um, in a contract that you can't break easily paying for something that doesn't work for your company. So I think you need to spend some, some effort. Um, it's doing a lot of, uh, doing a lot of scoping. I remember when I, we were using a manual tool at one of the companies that I worked for and I had just started for the company. And one of the things they said is, Hey, we're making a decision on what ERP we're going to. And ERPs are also part of the transformation because we have some powerful ERPs like Oracle cloud. And so we did a lot of work. We spent months deciding on the tool. Then we mm -hmm. spent months deciding on the, the, the company that would help us implement. Um, but that was worth it because you will see in a lot of cases when you implement a new ERP, it takes anywhere from 18 to 24 months to get it implemented because you're going through like trial and error. Because we did that trial and error up front, we were able to implement Oracle Cloud in nine months, which when they told me, Carly, you have nine months, I was like, there's no way we can get this done in nine months. I'm going to give it the best effort that I can, but I don't think we can do this. Nine months to that day, it was July, I'll never forget, it was July 1st, 4th. It was 4th of July, and, we, and our leadership team was like, we haven't taken vacations, we haven't done any of this. But if we turn on on the 4th of July, and it works, take the rest of the week off pretty much. And we turned it on and I waited and I was working from home that day. I will never forget. And I waited and waited and nothing bad happened. We were perfectly fine. And I was like, Oh wow. And so that's what happens when you have, when you do the right amount of scoping, yeah. that's what happens when you do um, the right amount of planning that company still on Oracle cloud. I've worked for companies since that the company has selected solutions mm -hmm. that you couldn't use the entire package or that, um, it wasn't a good fit for the for the solutions that company already had. Mm -hmm. So then you're in a if you're in a you're in a um, an issue of writing off those costs, trying to get out the contract, going back and forth. Now you've got to find another solution, and especially with budgets being tight, in many cases, once you realize a solution isn't good, you don't have another budget to be mm -hmm. able to justify getting something else. So you're stuck in a manual world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you know when you found the right solution for, for a company? I think the, the best way to know is having the right people in the room and letting them make the decision. Mm -hmm. So like one person doesn't know 
it takes multiple people to know. And I like the solution that I'm currently working with right now. Um, it was brought on two years ago before I started with the company, and it doesn't. It's not a good fit for the for the company. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons why it's not a good, good fit is because um, it only supports certain solutions, um, and the solutions that it supports, we only use one of them. So mm -hmm. if we wanted to use the other uh, the other parts of the package, we would have to literally build APIs from scratch. We mm -hmm. have to do a lot of work in the background. We just don't have the time or resources yeah. to do that. But the person who made it, only one person made that decision. They no longer work for the company. So mm -hmm. we don't even, when I go and look at documentation, we don't even understand why a decision is made was made. Yeah. And the other part of that is, is it, it's not a good fit. We were never able to use that solution fully to exercise it fully. So it was really lost do dollars. Yeah. Now that we are considering um, terminating the contract, we actually are terminating the contract. We don't have, we don't have the those dollars that be have been mm -hmm. reallocated mm -hmm. because management sees us as we pay for this tool that we never needed. And mm -hmm. we've been doing it all manually so we can continue to do it manually. And those, those dollars could be allocated to something else. Yes. It can be allocated to something else as part of our digital transformation journey, but the tool that we actually need, we're probably not going to get it until, until 2024, 2025. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Are there a lot of misconceptions that you've heard kind of in your experience about change management? Um, yeah. And I think even myself has, have been a part of misconceptions. Like I don't think I understood how important change management was um, for in other areas of businesses until I got into the, the tech side, the transforming it, um, moving away from manual processes, moving into automated processing, mm -hmm. this whole digital transformation the whole world is trying to get mm -hmm. through. I think mm -hmm. I understood it better that way, but one of the misconceptions was like, what do they do? Are they even helpful? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what are they bringing to the table? Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, when I first had the misconception, I would call it, it was because I had never actually worked with a with a with a change management person, yeah, uh, I had heard about it. And these roles were popping up, but I'm like, really, you we can't just tell people we're going to change and just do it, yeah. And um, and then and even though my background told me that that thought process was wrong, mm -hmm. um, I still thought, yeah, I don't understand what these people do. And then mm -hmm. when I started working directly with a person who was in change management, he was amazing, and he asked the right questions, and mm -hmm. he he, helped, he explained to us what we needed to do to help people get on board to mm -hmm. convince people. That's when I realized how important it was. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. That's a great misconception to kind of debunk as well. Um, because like you said, I think that it's so needed, but people don't necessarily understand how important it is. Right. Yeah. 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 So kind of as we wrap up this podcast, Carla, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with that we didn't necessarily hit on? Um, I think the, I think it's probably more inherent to this conversation. It's more about um, the journey and being open to change and being open to take the journey. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. I've been doing this now. I've been in this tech sector now for about 10 years. And I, I left for a couple of years to do oil and gas. And I was, I was pretty much bored because tech is exciting right now. <laughs> The new, it's a new great thing. I, I think we're having issues with some layoffs because and it's due to what happened in COVID, but, but transforming your organization 
is amazing. And if you're willing to jump in and get on the journey, you will learn a lot. You will upskill yourself as a person, as an individual, but also as a company. And you'll see how some of the tasks that you were doing, many things that were taking up a lot of your time um, is no longer there. You'll also see that you're, you're more efficient. And, and things are correct the first time instead of having to go back and do things mm -hmm. over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't, you don't lose your authority. You don't lose your power. You are actually sharing it with something else. And so I think that's what I want to leave the listeners with. That's fantastic. So Carlo, this has been a great conversation. You know, certainly, you know, change transformation and, and change management isn't a linear process. It sounds like that there's a lot of different steps to it. And I appreciate you kind of walking me through, you know, what each step looks like uh, and, you know, how important change management is. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to discuss it. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io w-r-i-t-e-f-o-r-m-e dot i-o and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen keep slaying it y'all